This is Cultivating Place. I'm Jennifer Jewell. In the spirit of May, this week we're headed out in the garden or down the block or up the trail for some planty wonder and magic in the company of Bridget Collins, the creative force, glittering vision, and imagination behind the botanical art of Flora Forager. Bridget is a gardener, a mother, and an artist who often brings all three of these life roles together in her work. She founded the Instagram personality and custom artistry known as Flora Forager in the 2010s and has since been the author of three books, The Art of Flora Forager, The Flora Forager ABCs, and most recently, The Flower Fairy Journals. Bridget joins us this week from her home and garden in Seattle, Washington. Bridget, I am so pleased to be speaking with you after following your Flora Forager work and fun for a good long time. Welcome to Cultivating Place. Thank you so much. Oh, I, that was such a wonderful introduction. Thank you. <laughs> it's wonderful to be here. Great. You know, I I would love to ask you to share with listeners, uh, you know, whether they are familiar with Flora Forager, your your work, your play, your books, your your philosophy in life, um, or not. What is your current relationship with plants right now? Like, is there a kind of organizing principle by which you are in relationship with plants and flowers and gardens, Bridget? An organizing principle. I don't know that anything in my life is all that organized, <laughs> but I will say that I I adore plants and flowers, and I get such a endorphin response to flowers that I I feel like every day it has to be something like I, I need to be walking through my neighborhood and looking at gardens or pruning something in my garden or painting flowers or making a flower crown. And um, my Flora Forager Instagram is um, flower art. Um, so there is always a little something. It's more of like a an impulse than here's my mapped out calendar of <laughs> what I'm going to be doing <laughs> with flowers. But yeah, I think it's more of a the thrill of it, this thrill-seeking, I would say. Before we get deep into this line of, of artistry and work in your life, I'd love to have you take us back a little bit and share with us who were the people and the places and the plants that were your earliest influences that would have grown you, who would have grown you into a woman for whom this was your day-to-day, not only impulse and joy, but also your career at this point. Um, Where were you born and raised? And describe some of those people and places and plants, Bridget. Yeah. Um, Well, I was born in Seattle. I still live in Seattle, Um, but I was raised... um, in Edmonds, it's a little sea town about 30 minutes north of Seattle. And I um, grew up in the Pacific Northwest where there's, you know, lots of greenery and um, evergreens. And we lived across the street from a big gulch of that had forests to play in. And I would play in like hollow trees and make little forts with my sisters and 
my mom loves gardening and she has probably around 70 roses in her garden and taught me the names of flowers and just really instilled in me the love of beauty, I would say, seeking out the beauty in nature. I remember one time I found a trillium in the forest and she taught me what that was and then taught me about how you never want to pick a trillium and just like fun little adventures pertaining to flowers. And um, my parents took us backpacking into the mountains and where, you know, we'd play in meadows and learn about a whole different ecosystem there. And I think that I just sort of grew up with this knowledge of flowers that I, I don't think I really realized that I was knowledgeable of. It was more just a part of life until I was an adult and I would talk with friends and say, oh, this or that talking about a flower that was on the side of the road and they'd be like, how do you know about that? And it was just sort of my life, just sort of my life, just the way you would know the animals in a zoo, I knew about the flowers, but it wasn't like I had any formal training or anything like that. Yeah. I too, as, as a child was taught these things and didn't know that it wasn't everyday knowledge in, in all households. And where does your education take you? Where where does life lead you before you begin some of this more uh not not formal work, but this, you know, firmly as part of your everyday work life? Mm-hmm. Well, I actually I I have a degree in theater. I was in plays from a very young age. I started trying out for plays and was in plays all through high school and then wanted to be in theater in college. I never really had any dreams going past college. I I got married very young. I was 20 and that was during college. And then I had my first child when I was 24 and I started getting into painting. That was more, my interest sort of shifted. It was still in the arts and creativity, but I was painting. I had an Etsy account. I would sell my paintings there. And um, I had a garden in my our first home Yeah. That when my son was around one, I think, maybe younger, um, I was walking through my garden and in my mind, it's not like I was really, it's not like I had a hallucination, but in my mind, I was like a goldfish. And it was really a poppy that had sprouted up, an Icelandic orange poppy. And the, the petals looked like fins. And I don't think it was probably a seed from like a seed packet that I had strewn or something, or maybe a bird dropped it, but I wasn't expecting it. And my brain just went, oh, that, I should bring that inside and make an artwork with the petals looking like fins. So I put them onto, um, I think it was just like a piece of paper and then painted the body of the fish. And that was my first botanical artwork that I created and I posted it at the time there was Instagram didn't exist but I had a blog and um someone asked for a print of it and that was sort of my first foray into the botanical artwork that became Flora Forager eventually Yeah. yeah so about what year would that be Bridget 2007 yeah. yeah, I know from like when my kids were born. I'm not, I'm not right. a dates and numbers person, right. but that's I can pull that out. Yeah, he was born in 2007. So, well, and you have just described the essence of of a lot of what you do on Flora Forager. 
and you have described what you mean when you say botanical art. And it is the, the crafting of actual art, three-dimensional art, using foraged bits of flora and foliage mm -hmm. and um, natural items um, that sometimes are, are kind of collage-like and sometimes are representative of something else, like the poppy is a goldfish. Mm -hmm. But it, it really speaks to, and I think this is why it captured the imaginations of so many people and has taken you down this incredible path of joy and sharing it forward. It speaks to that transcendent nature of flowers in our lives, that they are what they are, a flower, but they are also all of, like they open up our world to all of these other things, right? They're, they're, their spirit and their play and their their prayer and their their theater and their companions and their the natural like they're just they are one thing but they are also so many other things. Mm -hmm. I always feel like I find the most metaphor for my own life in the garden. I yeah. Most recently, I have this rose bush that I've been trying to get into my garden for a while now. My mom gave it to me for my birthday and. Um, there was just no room for it anywhere because my, my garden is like a postage <laughs> stamp. It's so small. And I have, you know, it's, it's pretty established. I've lived here for I think eight years now and I, there just wasn't any room, but I'm, 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 I'm 39. I'm sort of getting to middle age. And I was, I was feeling this, this strong metaphor, this sense of like, I have to start letting go of some things. Like my youngest child is 10. I have to, oh. I have to start letting go of things and letting room for new things to come in and ripped out a bunch of things that I love, but were kind of like a, this leggy lavender plant that really needed to go. And this globe thistle that was kind of twisted and wonky as it was growing. And um, it was like sad to let those things go, but then I got this rose in and then that feeling of, okay, there's space and there's room and the, the excitement of what's to come. Like, and that's just one example of so many. I mean, I'll even just walking in through the forest and finding something that, I don't know. I think my, the way my brain works is I'm, there's that quote by Roald Dahl where he says to look at the world with glittering eyes it's the paraphrasing, but that you'll find magic if you're looking for it. Yeah. And it's that, that same, like, I want to, I want to, enter into my garden or into a, um, an outdoor space into nature with that. What am, what am I going to find? How is it going to speak to me? And I, I often, I feel like every time, mm. if you're looking at the world that way, you will find it. Yeah. You will yeah. find that magic. Yeah. And I definitely, you know, as a gardener, um, I think, you know, there are days when I go out and I forget to take those eyes. I forget you know, and I get lost in something else like yeah. <laughs> work or, or the world. But on those days when you remember, it just, it, it responds to you so abundantly with that, uh, like affirmation that yes, it's here, this, this magic yeah. and transporting, uh, aspect of our lives that, you know, is a veil between all, all else is, is right there waiting for you. Um, I love that Roald Dahl quote. So thank you for sharing that. So it's 2007-ish. You have your first boy. He's one. You, you, you have this moment with this poppy and this goldfish and you 
create that first three-dimensional work and, and you do prints from it. Where does it go from there? And when does it sort of fully metamorph into Flora Forager as you now understand her, this alter ego kind of? Yeah, it is like an alter ego, I would say. Um, yeah, so I made a bunch of fish with different petals. Like I made a koi with the spots of a lily and um, and I made a few fairies and I, I just had some fun with it and sold a few prints. But then it wasn't until I started Flora Forager about five years later, the, the Instagram itself. And um, at first I was just posting my sort of my foraged finds from the neighborhood and those from my own garden or spaces, um, like green spaces in the neighborhood. And I was making mandalas and just um, sort of patterns. And I called it Flora yeah. Forager because it was like I was foraging flowers. I, I, I wasn't, you know, it wasn't like I was a professional forager. And it works beautifully. Yeah. Like you, you are, you are hunting and, and pecking and finding this beauty. And a lot of people think it's my name. Like it sounds like a, a name, which I kind of like. So I made Flora Forager the Instagram and it became kind of popular for these just sort of fun designs I was making. And then one day I had an escargot begonia. Have you seen those? It's the, the leaves that oh, yeah. swirl. Spiral. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think they're, they're named because they, they're, they look like snail shells. And I remembered back to the fish that I had made from like five years before. I thought, oh, I should, I should make a snail out of one of these leaves. And I remember thinking, that's kind of silly. Probably people think that's silly. I, I don't know. At the time, I just, it just seemed like a dumb idea for some reason to put it on Instagram. I don't know. I, I feel like every really great idea I have starts with me kind of going, oh, I what are people going to think of this? I, don't know. I just... I felt a little silly about it, but I thought, oh, who cares? I, I can delete it if no one likes it. So I put the snail on and everyone loved it. And then I started making all these animals and that, and then, and then from there came scenes and then sort of like master copies where I would do like a Van Gogh and out of flower petals. And it, it just took off. And then my brain, I just went from, um, oh, maybe I could do this, maybe that too. Like, I have so many ideas. Right. I can't, I don't even have time right, to do right. them all. It just became this, just flew out of me that back in the beginning, it, it was only flower art. I didn't even really have anything about my own life on my Instagram. It was just like a flower art Instagram. Well, and I just, I love this. And I, I really hope everybody out there is listening right now to, to hear you say that every great idea you had started with a like, <laughs> ooh, nobody's going to like that. That's silly that, you know, and I think this often Bridget is one of those things I come up against with in gardening is that it's this incredibly powerful activity we engage in that connects us to each other and to the world and to solutions. And yet it's so often dismissed as like an unnecessary you know, kind of silly yeah, hobby. That's true. When it when it should be held up as like going to church or reading a great book or you know uh, meditating. Yeah, I, I feel like it's survival for me sometimes. I mean, I maybe that's sort of a oh. um, privileged thing to say. <laughs> it's survival for me, but I I've struggled with anxiety and um, it is almost like 
a medicine where I, I have to, when I said it's like an endorphin, it's like, I, I have to get out. I have to see something growing, something blooming, or I will feel dead inside myself. It really, I feel like it heals me and could, and heals, could heal so many. And that's one of the reasons why I love hosting on Flora Forager, because there are so many people who say, I get direct messages of people saying, I just want to let you know, you've really gotten me through a really hard time. And I'm like, by, by what? By posting flower fairy dresses? Like, that's incredible to me. Like, that something so simple can change someone's life, basically. I mean, it's changed mine, definitely. This is Cultivating Place. Bridget Collins is a Pacific Northwest-based gardener and artist. She's also the founder, creative force, and glittering vision behind the botanical art of Flora Forager. We'll be right back for more with Bridget, sharing about her creative path and process as Flora Forager. Stay with us. Hey, it's Jennifer. I just really want to highlight that wonderful, wonderful advice that Bridget offers us from Raul Dahl, to look at the world with glittering eyes because we will find magic if we're looking for it. I will sound as silly and dumb as Bridget ever worried about being, as cliche as a person might sound, but if it were up to me, I would have you and me, all of us, plant this advice firmly in our garden hearts. Look at the world with glittering garden eyes, people, because we will find magic, beauty, joy, kindness, love, abundance, if we're looking for it, if we are cultivating all of this. And after all, that's exactly what gardening is and believes in, isn't it? As gardeners, we are well aware of the floral and foliage and seasonal wonder of our gardens. The floral artistry of the Instagram personality art and books known as Flora Forager captures this wonder and magic with whimsy, emotion, and beauty. Bridget Collins, the Seattle-based artist, gardener, and nature lover behind Flora Forager, is with us this week to share more about her creative process, including her constantly striving to live into Raul Dowell's advice to look at the world with glittering eyes, because we will find magic if we're looking for it. As we come back, Bridget shares more about the beginnings of Flora Forager and the fairy journals, as well as much more. My first book actually was The Art of Flora Forager, which is like a coffee table book. And it had, it encompasses like most of what I had created at the beginning and what, what, what I still am you know, selling on my, as prints, you know, I had, it's not that I ran out of ideas, but you know, you kind of, you evolve and shift as an artist and the best ofs are in that book. What year did that come out? 
the first idea that I pitched, and this is sort of a fun, go for your dreams, even when they don't, or they don't realize it first. Um, the first thing I pitched was the ABC book. Okay. And that was rejected. Ah. And, and then I pitched <laughs> the floor of the art of flora forager and that was accepted. And then like three or four, I, I want to say three years later, I don't remember exact, the exact amount. Someone was going through the slush pile at Sasquatch Books and found the ABC book idea and got a hold of me and said, do you still want to do this? And that one has been my most successful. It's been fun to see how it's all fanned out, yeah. <laughs> played yeah. out, I should say. I think it was too. So the Art of Flora Forger, I think was around 2016 and the ABC book was 2019. And, and I, and that was sort of your first, uh, like children, you know, for children, even though Mm -hmm. none of these are just for children, period. I know that's so hard. I, um, my, my latest book, I self-published and it asked what, what age you have to put an age group or you don't have to, I left it blank, but um, it asked for an age group and I just thought zero to a (laughs) hundred. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Describe for people your exact process at this point, like, especially when you're doing your more complex things, like you put together a scene, say, uh, I think I just saw one of like a circus tent. And then there was another one of like the Taj Mahal or. Oh yeah. Okay. Each one is a little different. Okay. Um, the, that's one the most frequently asked question I get is, do you find the flowers first or you have an idea first? Right. And it's both. It's either. It depends on, you know, oftentimes I'll, I'll see a flower and be like, oh, that is, like I'll see a, a succulent and I'll be like, oh, that is the scales of a snake or something fuzzy like a um, chestnut pod and I'll think oh that looks like <laughs> a porcupine or whatever you know like right a, right something spiky <laughs> anyway um, so that that does happen and that especially in the beginning uh, when I first started it was like anything that I saw I would come up with an animal for it and then when I started creating the ABC book I needed to fill in some of those letters and it was like okay I want to make this animal and then I'd go and find the flowers that would correspond the circus tent I saw a dahlia that was striped and it just looks like a circus tent it so does it does that's so I great made, I made a circus tent, and then there was another time I saw a striped um petunia and it looked just like um, like beach umbrellas. And so I made a beach scene with umbrellas. And yeah, so it really depends. But it's always fun when you have an idea. And then sometimes I'll see something in someone's garden. And then I have to go find it in a garden center or a nursery. <laughs> like, I can't take their flower. So, okay, that brings me to, like, you use so many flowers, so many cones and seeds and leaves. How do you ethically, like source them all do do you buy a lot do you yeah so I ne- I do buy flowers I um I never take from anyone's garden unless they offer I have lots of friends with gardens but the Pacific Northwest is so verdant I have so many flowers in my garden and then there's so many flowers in the forest and empty lots I mean there's like poppies growing along the sidewalk and and there's things that you wouldn't even think you know 
a giant rhododendron tree that's spilling over the street and you can pick up the flowers from the ground. And it's funny, I've had people ask that and then come to Seattle and then write to me and say, oh, I get it now. <laughs> the I abundance. Get where you are finding all this stuff. Yeah, it's just everywhere. There's really no limit. And so you, you, you then come, do you have like a big desk? Do you have a dedicated space or are you clearing off the like dining room table? I have a big white dining room table. I'm actually sitting at right now. And um, I just put them right onto the table. And sometimes I'll have a bouquet and I'll just lay everything out and then just sort of start playing around. Um, and oh, usually that's how it happens. And I've had to like stand off and repaint this table <laughs> so many times because it gets so messy. And um, there've been times where I've been working on a project for like one of the books and um, I have to leave everything out. And then it's sort of, it's like a wilt onto the table and then it's the stains and you know, it's just this huge mess. The pollen of lilies, I all I can imagine is like, yeah, that pollen is so potent. Oh, yes. I have a pink poppy with black pollen, black stamens and pollen, and those just get everywhere. And it stains like a uh, it's been a it's been a while since it's happened, but I think it stains like a blue. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> So they're all ephemeral. Like you, you, you put together the scene, you photograph it. Yeah. And then it's gone. Yeah. Within pretty soon, everything starts to wilt, which was so frustrating working with an editor for uh, my books, because if they asked me to make changes, <laughs> I would be like, oh, I have to go out and find everything again. So I would try really hard to like send them what I had right away so I could tweak it right then. And yeah. Right. So everything and I have nothing that's nothing is um pressed or preserved everything's gone all I have is my photographs do you set up a tripod and and you clearly do it from straight overhead I usually I usually um stand on on a bench or something and I or a chair and I take it with my hands it's just because a lot of times it's hard to describe but it's very 3d like nothing is is actually yes. flat on the table and sometimes right. I have to kind of get the right angle so that everything is it's like um reads correctly yeah, yeah it's kind of like um like if you're looking at a stage and you have the wings and if you're from a certain angle you're going to see things incorrectly yes. you want to be like straight on and I don't know I I usually just do it by hand so your theater arts are really really working out for you in this in this line of work Bridget yeah I did scene design when I was in high school. I was on the like the set department and would create scenes. And I loved that. That was so much. Well, fun. you still are. So it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think you know the the floral alphabet and the art of flora forager. If anybody looks through your feed, it, those are relatively graspable. Take us into the fairy journals. Well, it actually started very organically, the same way that the flower art like the flower fish did I one day I was just walking through the neighborhood and I saw some asters and I took a photo with my phone from underneath so it, it kind of looked like the flowers were sort of overhead mm -hmm. and when I was gonna I, I wanted to post it and I and I was like it's kind of like I'm a fairy and I just wrote it as if I was a fairy and I said I'm hiking through the daisy forest today and father and I are getting Micah shavings along the path because mother wants a, 
a glittering backsplash in her kitchen or so I said something like that and I it was another one of those like this is gonna be so silly and people will think it's dumb and um but and I thought I'll just delete it if people you know if it doesn't get a lot of likes or whatever you know you feel a little um yeah nervous when you do something new and um the response was so sweet like people said I'm here for the fairy journals I'm here for (laughs) you know they were really people were really excited and it I think it sort of sparked um the imagination for a lot of people and um and for me too and it kind of I almost sort of started feeling like I was this fairy and I I so I would find sort of scenes or scenarios and I would um imagine what would happen next in the story and I started making fairy dresses I would just bring in um you know a flower and I'd get out my glue and I made a little like um dress mold like a tiny dress mold to try to out of wire it was like wonky didn't look really good it wasn't like uh didn't look like an actual dress mold it was more like a a a mold of wire but anyway I um just little by little would start creating like the next part, like, Oh, it it would just lead into the next scene. And, um, it, and then it, you know, I started introducing characters. There was sort of like a, a love interest. I made like a little love triangle. And, um, so she would meet the prince at a, um, at a tea. And then I was like, Oh, I need to make, what could I do for the tea? I, I, so I found Queen Anne's lace to have for the tablecloth and made a teapot out of, um, a poppy pod. And then, um, Oh, but I want there to be, you know, there's the prince. And then there's like the rogue and, and he has his pirate ship made out of a gourd and leaf sails. And so it just became like, um, just this creative, playful, never thinking it would be a book, just, um, just this story, like a serial, like like a, like Dickens books all were serials in the beginning and kind of started in that way. Yeah. And, um, and then I would, you know, there were Amanitas in the fall. And so I created a character, the bog witch Amanita, and she had an Amanita hat and she lived in an Amanita house. And yeah. Oh yes. You're, um, you're, you're looking at, you're talking about like wearing that. And I, um, yeah. So I would create my own flower crowns to go with characters sometimes. And right. And I think the, the Amanita, which had uh sort of red and uh, white dotted lipstick and like you, you bring them to life when you build a character and, and you dress yourself up as the character. They're great images. <laughs> yeah. I've, I had so much fun. I basically, it was kind of like a, uh, an escape. It was, I, it started during the pandemic and I, at the time there was a lot of very depressing things on Instagram and online in the news. And I, I think it was sort of my own um, subconscious need to just be somewhere different in another realm. And I, it just came out of me like every waking moment was, what am I going to do next? Or, oh, this reminds me of this um, story I could add this in or this this flower would be make a great dress it was just like a constant um I was just in that world like in instead of the really hard you know I, I, 
my kids were home with me and I would read them the next fairy journal and they'd, you know, they, it became just sort of a, yeah, I guess the rest word is escape. It just became like a delight when we were so sort of yeah. worried and depressed yes. a lot of the yeah. time. Yeah. And so that, that brings me to um, a little bit of a, just a logistical question. You have three children, the youngest of whom is 10 mm-hmm. and the oldest is 15. Mm-hmm. Like how, like, was this a form of play? Was this, uh, was this something that they were involved in with you all along? Or, you know, I, I just remember sort of playing with my daughters at this level, but at the same time, that amount of like, if you had a vision and that amount of precision, very, very challenging to work with children on this kind of play. <laughs> right. So in the beginning with the, the botanical artwork, I had three kids under five yeah. <laughs> and they were definitely part of it because they were going with me on, I had like a, a double stroller and my five-year-old would walk and we'd go through the neighborhood. I remember we made this berry rainbow where we were trying to find berries of every color and then came home and made a rainbow on the table. So there were things like that where they could be involved. And then when I was trying to be more, you know, create things that were more intricate, they were, you know, under the table, underfoot. And there were times when I was definitely, don't, don't knock the table. Don't breathe on the pedals, you know, like get out of here, go away, go outside or whatever. Um, but they've always been sort of, um, as they've gotten older, they know, they know who I am and they love who I am. And they'll sort of, they'll, you know, like I found some pine cones or I found, you know, they'll bring me things. Mama, I found this flower. Um, they still do that even as they're, you know, becoming, you know, they're getting to that age where they start to not want to have anything to do with their mom anymore. Right. Right. And there's still, and there's all, you know, I'll, I'll be walking through the house with a big flower crown or whatever, and they don't even blink. It's not even like, <laughs> oh, your crown, or I love it or anything. It's more like kind of a glance up, like, whatever. Uh-huh. Like, yep. <laughs> That's about right. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I feel like, oh, there's, um, in the language in the wardrobe, um, C.S. Lewis dedicates it to his niece, Lucy Barfield, I believe is her last name. And he says when he wrote it, when as he was writing it, she was a child. But when it come, becomes a book, she'll be too grown for it. But then one day she'll be old enough to appreciate it again. And so I often think, well, someday when they have kids or when they're old enough to like appreciate again, they, they'll be like, oh, my mom actually made these, <laughs> this flower art that's really cool. You know, I, we'll see what happens. <laughs> this is Cultivating Place. Bridget Collins is a Pacific Northwest-based gardener and artist. She is the founder and creative force and imagination behind the botanical art of Flora Forager. We'll be right back for more with Bridget sharing more about her creative path and process. Stay with us. Hey, it's Jennifer. In this conversation with Bridget, I really love how her story encourages our stories. I think this is it, don't you? I get that encouragement from her story. Her story encourages us to consider the metaphors and to listen and embrace 
the many, many lessons the garden and nature's magic majesty brings to us each day. The first one being that when one part of who we are says that whatever it is we're thinking of, dreaming of, playing with is, quote, silly or going to be dumb, end quote, I think her story encourages us to consider reminding that side of ourselves, who is, as we know, trying to only protect us from harm or humiliation, that not only are we okay with the risk, but that our most fearful side is going to be okay with that risk too. Whatever we're itching to try might be silly, and it might be seen as dumb by someone, but it might also be magic and just what we and our community need to spark joy and imagination today. Flora Forager says so. The garden allows us so many metaphors and messages, like Bridget's garden and her new rose reminding her that in order to make room for new things she would like to cultivate, she must let go of things that have outgrown their time or space. I think the best messages through metaphor that the garden brings to me include that diversity is the foundation for all really vibrant and cyclical life that we all live in community and we rely on one another despite all that we might accomplish through our own labor and interests. And finally, that there will be a season for that too, no matter what that is. What about you? Are there particular metaphors from the garden you hold tight to? I'd love to hear about them if you do. Send me an email cultivatingplace at gmail.com. I would love to hear your garden metaphor lessons. We all have them. And just because you're here listening with me, even now at the very end of the second podcast break this week, I have five copies of Flora Foragers, the fairy journals that I would like to share. Whoever sends me an email with their best garden messages metaphors by June 1st will be added to a drawing for a copy of the fairy journals. I will pick five names at the end of the day on June 1st. To be added to the drawing for a copy of the fairy journals, send me an email with your most valued garden metaphor messages. Send your email to cultivatingplace at gmail.com by June 1st, and you will be entered into this drawing. And thank you, as always, for listening. As gardeners, I think we are really aware of the wonder and mystery that our gardens afford us through seasons and flowers and foliage and wildlife and interconnection. The floral artistry of the Instagram personality known as Flora Forager captures this wonder and magic with both earnestness and whimsy. 
Bridget Collins, the Seattle-based artist, gardener, and nature lover behind Flora Forager, is with us this week to share more about her creative process and path. As we come back, she talks more about the importance of honoring and exercising our own imaginations, no matter our circumstances and no matter our age. Your your work... Uh, which taps into this ancient relationship we have with plants and flowers, not only for, you know, food or medicine or utility, but for this heartfelt um, beauty and play and theater and transportation outside of our everyday lives. Um, You know, it it encapsulates all that. So it's not even just about mom becoming cool again. It's about (laughs) their imaginations being allowed to get set free after the constraints of those middle years, which as we all know, can be very binding with responsibility and expectations and, you know, the, the pressures of what our society tells us we're supposed to do, or we're supposed to be, or we're supposed Mm. to value. And, um, this, this play and beauty and, all of the messaging that goes with your art uh, for me um, reminds us in so many like great and um, celebratory ways what is really valuable. When you look at you know this last clearly 15, 14 to 15 years um, engaged in this activity, have there been, besides, you know, those moments of self-doubt where you're like, this is silly. Everyone's going to think it's stupid. Um, Have there been other challenges for you in, um, in the, the discipline that it takes to keep, to keep going and keep engaging and keep making space for this part of your, um, of your life? Hmm. Well, Sorry, I'm I'm thinking this question through. I would say, I mean, I have had projects that I've wanted to put into the world that have not been accepted. So there have been those challenges. Um, And what do you do in moments like that, Bridget? Um, cry. No. (laughs) Um, Good first response. Well, yes. Yeah. And I mean, then it's like, oh, I, I'm never going to be able to actually. Yeah, I um, the fairy journals actually came about. I had I, I had written a children's book that that I had an agent for who finally was sort of like, it's not working for me. And I had been working on it for years. And when I was waiting for that final response from her, um that was when I started working on the fairy journals. So it was sort of this, um, that the anticipation and waiting and sort of, I mean, it kind of went with um, quarantine as well. Just this, this uh, bottled up feeling like cloistered. What do I do next? I don't, I want to put things out there and I can't. And um, so nothing is ever, well, I think that, I mean, I'm thinking on my feet here. I'm not, it's not like I've come to any like grand conclusion, but I definitely feel like in those moments where you feel some defeatism, 
it breeds some um, resilience. Does that make sense? Like, I feel like I, yeah, like, like that rose was the same thing. Yes, that was, that's that exactly was, what I was going to say, Bridget. The, the metaphor that I was yes. you know, c- coming through with is like, okay, well, maybe I have to get rid of this other idea to make room for this new one. And, um, you know, and it might not even be that uh, the, the you have an idea. Maybe you have writer's block or um, sometimes, you know, art. I have a friend, she, she was telling me that sometimes she feels like, have you ever seen um, Kiki's Delivery Service? Oh, God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> one of our, one of my, me and my yeah, daughter favorites, yeah. yes. She, we were just talking about this. It's, um, even right now, I'm kind of in the stage where I'm like, I don't know what's going to come next. We'll see. Maybe I'll like go back and look at that manuscript that was rejected and, and try something new. But I, there are moments like that where you, um, you, you need to put it to the side and try something different. So yeah, that rose. I actually, that rose... This is a funny anecdote. I, I put it in the ground. I got so excited for it to bloom and have something new come forth. And I took my dog on a walk and like came back an hour later and a bunny had eaten it down to like a stick. <laughs> so, oh no. And I thought, what's the metaphor here? <laughs> what's coming? Oh no. Oh God. <laughs> now it's under a cloche and I'm under like... I'm doing bunny reconnaissance. Like I'm, <laughs> that's my one of your prompt questions was like, what gets you into the garden? And I'm like, well, actually, right now it's bunny patrol. Bunnies, yeah. yes. <laughs> well, that that that's a good enough reason. Um, and probably come next year, right? That pruning by the bunny will yield an incredibly vigorous and floriferous <laughs> rosebush. I hope so. And yeah, yeah. Well, that. Well, let's just say it will, and that is a great um, lesson because that's yes. so true. I mean, roots, roots before top. That's true in yeah. life. I mean, yep. so mm-hmm. um, I I love this. I love this circle back to to what has to be let go of in order for um, the space for for what we are. And, and and the universe is really pretty clear with us most times when you when you go in the right direction it gives you all the affirmation you need. And all of a sudden things are easy, right? Like all of a sudden the fairy journals come and, yes. and your head goes, yes, 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 yes. I have so many ideas. Almost like in a manic state, like when the muses yeah. hit and it's like, oh yeah, you think this is never ending. This, this river will never stop flowing. It's just there. And then when it stops, it's like, how did I come up with all of that? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it reminds me of, remember you were talking about the the, the meadow uh, ecosystem? It's like the meadow in springtime when every flower is out in its, you know, kind of annual glory. And and then it does go back to sleep and start the cycle again. Mm-hmm. And You have to um, have those moments where there's, yeah. where you're, I'll, I'll, I'll be frustrated. Like, Oh, I just want to create something. I don't really have any good ideas. And then I'm like, you know what? I need to absorb. Maybe I need to just watch a beautiful movie. Maybe I need to just yeah. read a really good book and, yeah. or what, you know, like maybe I need to go to the, um, to a garden in the neighborhood or something. It's, and that being filled up before you put forth something. Cause you know, you can't, you can't create something when you're depleted. I mean, it's, it's kind of a duh thing to say, but it's 
true. <laughs> but we forget it, right? It is a duh yeah, thing to say it. or to, but we forget it every, so who's, you know, we're the does. But <laughs> so when you, when you think about the, the, you know, again, like the messages uh, and these metaphors that you, you bring to bear, but especially I think in, in the fairy journals, you know, are, and clearly you've shared a lot of joy. So much of what you do is born from joy as well as the excitement of, um, of the relationship and the creative process. But if you had something to share forward with people that you took away from doing the fairy journal uh, book and the whole process through and self-publishing, what would that, what would that be? Oh, well, I don't know if this is the right answer to your question, but I, I'm kind of always on the lookout for things, books or movies or just experiences that will take me back to the way I felt as a child experiencing magical moments. I had such an incredible imagination when I was young. And I remember feeling like I was really a part of things and feeling that um, like, like watching a movie and feeling like I was there or reading a book and feeling like I was a part of it. And when it was over, I would cry because I would never get to see those characters again or be able to experience that. And I'm always thinking, I want to make something that does that for other people. I want to be for children. Yes. But for adults too. And um, I think the fairy journals, has done that for I mean I've had some really incredible responses and it wasn't expected I was when I first started it obviously it was just sort of um here and there who knows where this will lead but in the end it was like oh I have made something that um that takes people into these flowers into this flower world and into the garden and um I want them to feel that magic you know it's almost like you can re rephrase the question if you want no, to. No, no, you did perfectly because I think what you're what what a, a, like sort of in essence is exactly what you said in the very beginning of the conversation, Bridget, which is you want to provide people the opportunity to wear those glittery glasses and see the world. Yes, to feel yeah that thrill. I honestly going going out into nature for me is like it's almost like a quest. It's like a, an adventure because you're going to find, you know, the shoots on a plant that are new or a flower you've never seen before. There's going to be some sort of magical thing that happens. And, um, yeah, it is, it is very, it's comparable. Like it is like a story in a way when you walk out your front door, it's like you're, it's like you're a hobbit going on your adventure. And when you come home, you have all the, this beauty that you've, um, absorbed in your adventure. Yeah. I love that. Is there anything you would like to add, uh, for, for listeners about your work or the importance of gardens in these times, Bridget? <sighs> well, I don't know that I have anything very profound to add. Um, but during these times, I actually was just thinking the other day about, um, just, I think that we've, and over the last few years during the pandemic, um, I think that there's been <clears throat> a strong sense of 
wanting to put away, like push away the materialism and the um, like things that don't matter and try to find, especially when we were at home and we're not stuck at home anymore. And who knows what will happen in the next few months or whatever. But um, I've really found so much solace in in flowers and my own garden and the beauty that I can find there. I, I was thinking like, who cares about Pantone colors or like what's popular, what's fashionable when you can find, you know, the most magical salmon color on a carrot tulip. And, you know, that become, you know, like I used, I remember I used to think, oh, I need a new dress or I need a new necklace or you know either I was you know the consumerism and now it's more of like oh, I, I just want to see what nature has cloaked itself with I want to see you know I don't need to have something I can see it blooming in my own sort of sphere here I don't know that's stop right there <laughs> doing what I do I often get way too earnest and because it just feels like things are so serious and so urgent and your your work reminds me to lighten up and play and enjoy enjoy the playfulness of our world <laughs> thank you thank you for being a guest on the program today it's been a treat to speak with you thank you for having me i've loved it too great you're a kindred spirit <laughs> Bridget Collins is the creative force, glittering vision, and imagination behind the botanical artistry of Flora Forager. Bridget is a gardener, a mother, and an artist who often brings all three of these life roles together in her work. She founded the Instagram personality and custom artistry known as Flora Forager in the 2010s. She has since been the author of three books, The Art of Flora Forager, the Floral Alphabet, and most recently, The Fairy Journals. Join us again next week when, with summer vacation firmly in sight, we head to the coast to speak with two coastal gardeners whose Marin County radio program, In a Coastal Garden, which airs bi-weekly on KWMR out of Point Reyes Station, California, explores all things coastal gardening. Listen in. Cultivating Place is a co-production of North State Public Radio, a service of CAP Radio licensed to Chico State Enterprises. Cultivating Place is made possible by listeners just like you. Thank you most recently to Marsha and to Cynthia. For more information and many great images and links to the wonderful imagination of Flora Forager, head on over to cultivatingplace.com and look for this week's show notes under the podcast tab. That's all at cultivatingplace.com. The Cultivating Place team includes producer and engineer Matt Fiddler with tech and web support from Angel Haracha. We're based on the traditional and present homelands of the Machupta Indian tribe of the Chico Rancheria. Original theme music is by Ma Muse, accompanied by Joe Craven and Sam Bevan. Cultivating Place is distributed nationally by PRX, Public Radio Exchange. Until next week, enjoy the cultivation and imagination of your place. 
I'm Jennifer Jewell. 